Welcome to Talking Health Tech. My name is Peter Birch, and this is a podcast of conversations with doctors, developers, and decision makers that are playing in the Australian health tech scene today. Here on Talking Health Tech, I love to chat to key players in the Aussie health tech scene. But from time to time, it's important for us to look outside of our gorgeous country and see what other parts of the world are doing when it comes to the application of super good tech to solve big health problems. Plus, it's a nod to the growing number of listeners that I've got tuning in every week from other parts of the world. Today, I'm joined by Ariel Garten, the founder of Interaxon, the company out of Toronto, Canada, which are the makers of Muse, a brain-sensing headband. Ariel is a neuroscientist, entrepreneur, an artist, and a mother. Her reason for waking up in the morning is to empower and help others overcome mental obstacles to live happy, healthy lives and to reach their full potential. Ariel, I was going to read something else about you, but I won't because I don't know what I've written there. Thank you so much for joining. <laughs> <laughs> My absolute pleasure to be here. Hello. This this will be the first podcast that I've done where you're not sitting right in front of me. You're sitting in front of me on, um, on, on Skype. So thank you for joining me from the other side of the world. My pleasure. Good morning or good evening, whichever it is to you. In podcast land, it's just neutral, right? It's just wherever you are at whatever time you like. Um, so that's that's amazing. Look, tell me a little bit about your background and 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 how you landed where you are, and 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 uh, then we can talk a little bit more about what you actually do. So my own background comes from uh, both art and science. I was trained as a neuroscientist and had a private practice as a psychotherapist. At the same time, I had an art practice and design, and I became really fascinated with brainwave technology back in the early 2000s. And I started collaborating with Dr. Steve Mann. He's one of the inventors of the wearable computer, and he had an early brain-computer interface system. So he, uh, one of his master's students, Chris Amini, and myself, and our third co-founder, Trevor Coleman, got together and created this amazing device called Muse that gives you real-time feedback on your brain while you meditate. Um, we didn't start with meditation. We started with an early brain-computer interface system that allowed you to interact with technology directly with your brain and then ultimately recognize that the way we could best apply it was meditation. So, so, so tell me more about that then. How does Muse help um, the users of, of the, the, the application um, in, in understanding more of their, their ways? Because there's a lot of meditation apps these days. Um, what's, what's different about you guys? So a meditation app can just guide you, give you a one-way experience that you listen to. Muse actually reads your brain while you meditate and gives you real-time feedback to know when you're in focused attention and when your mind is wandered. So for most people, you sit down to meditate the first time you're like, I'm going to meditate. And you sit there and you close your eyes and you wait for your mind to go blank and it never does. And you're like, eh, this sucks. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what's going on in my brain. What is this thing? And you get up and you walk away. We wanted to solve that problem by actually showing you what goes on in your mind in meditation and guiding you into the right proper practice. So Muse is a clinical grade EEG, a slim little headband with sensors on the forehead and behind the ears, tracks your brain data during meditation, sends that data to your smartphone or tablet and gives you an audio experience that's real-time feedback of your meditation. And then after the fact, there's graphs, data, chart, things that actually show you how your meditation was, what your brain was doing, and allow you to track your progress session on session. So it really takes away the mystery of what am I supposed to be doing? And even for an experienced meditator, it gives you an amazing insight into your own mind during the process. Yeah, yeah. And so it's it's a headband? Is it like, is it like a, is it bulky? Is it a helmet? Or is it like a, a fashionable kind of um, bit of kit that you could wear out in the street? 
it is super tiny, slim and sleek. It just runs across your forehead and behind your ears. And it, you know, fits into the canon of wearable devices, like, like a Fitbit on your wrist. Yeah, yeah, cool, cool. Well, I, I think we're all in agreement when it comes to mindfulness and meditation, that they're good things and that they're, they're helpful. I think we're well beyond that kind of stage. I say we as the general we of, of like, it, it's, it's well beyond that. listener, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're well beyond that stage of it being a, a, a fad or whether we're deciding whether it's a good thing or not or helpful. But did you find it was, like, you guys have been around for a little bit now. Have you, did you find it was a, a challenge to commercialize Muse in the early days um, to, to make people see them, that it's more than just a, a funky headband? So we started, um, we started on the journey of making a meditation tool in 2012. And at that point, meditation was not still widely accepted. But it was right around then that meditation was on the cover of Time magazine. You started to see athletes doing it and CEOs doing it and doctors recommending it and the number of papers piling up demonstrating its benefits. And so by the time we came to market in 2014, we were able to launch a brain sensing headband that helps you meditate in Best Buy, like it was that level of consumer acceptance. And we've now been in market five years and hundreds of thousands of people use it every day. So it's become, you know, a really popular and regular tool to use. It's it's not a strange thing at all. Hmm. Cool. So, so when it comes to the science of it then, so from what I can tell, it, it Muse helps you quantify how well you're meditating or how effective it is. And, and so, so have I got that right? Or how, how does that actually work? How does it quantifiably measure the benefits of mindfulness and meditation rather than just being a, like a subjective, you know, oh, I feel better type thing? Because that's kind of how I've done meditations. But like, yes, I got to 10 minutes or I got to, you know, this certain point and, and I think I feel better, but I sometimes feel like I just feel better because I got to the end of 10 minutes. But um, like, how does, what does Muse actually quantifiably tell you? Sure. And you pre- did a pretty good description of why it's really helpful to have a quantified device to help you really know what's going on and be able to benchmark your progress and see where you're going. Um, so Muse, as I mentioned, is a clinical grade EEG. There are two EEG sensors, frontal and two temporal. And what we're looking at is focused attention versus mind wandering. So Muse works with a focused attention on the breath meditation. There are many different forms of meditation and focused attention is often the first one you learn. So in focused attention, you focus your attention on your breath your mind wanders, you notice that your mind has wandered away from your breath, and then you choose to return your mind to your breath. And then you do it over and over again. You stay on your neutral object, your breath, eventually your mind will wander, you notice it, and then you choose to return to your neutral object rather than getting caught up in your thoughts. How Muse works is we have an algorithm that's able to detect when you're in focused attention and when your mind wandering. So we've looked at now millions and millions of sessions of EEG during meditation. Um, And from then we've been able to create an algorithm of the brainwave activity associated with focused attention versus the brainwave activity of mind wandering. And so we allow you to hear the sound of your mind when you're focused and wandering. And the metaphor we use is your mind is like the weather. So when you're thinking, distracted, mind wandering, you hear it as stormy. And as you bring yourself to quiet focused attention, it quiets the storm. So in this very simple way, you're getting real-time feedback to know, okay, yep, I'm focused, focused, focused. Oh, mind has wandered. Cue to return to your breath. Focus, focus, focus. Oh, mind has wandered. Cue to return to your breath. So it really helps you augment the experience of knowing what's going on in your mind. It helps you build your metacognition by being aware of your process of thinking and then gives you a choice point to use. 
I feel like if my mind was the weather, I'm trying to think of a really crazy cyclone or a, or a typhoon that then all of a sudden becomes really sunny and then starts again. But that's that's maybe just... Yeah, it's, just it's kind of like that. And so uh, you're cued in real time to know what your brain is doing and to be able to come back. And then after the fact, you can see a graph of your focus versus your mind wandering. And so you see every moment, moment to moment, what your mind was doing, when you were focused, when you recovered, which is you noticed and you returned. And that's kind of like doing the work of the meditation. That notice and returning is building your muscle of your focused attention. And so we really celebrate the process of noticing and return. And then you get a whole history of data. For clinicians, we actually have a tool called Muse Connect, where if you have um, patients or clients who are meditating, you can actually track your patient's meditation. And then you can see their progress. You can see the days they meditated, reach out to them on days when they haven't, and then really be able to um, you know, build a meditation practice either on your own or in concert with a clinician. So you brought up the an interesting point about the clinician. Like I took the, the kind of perspective that Muse was like, um, you know, a, just a, another tool that a, that a, like it's like B2C for you guys where it's just a consumer or a patient at the end would 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 use it and maybe buy the device and then that's kind of kind of it but you're like it's a, it's a clinical grade EEG it's a it's a it's a respected piece of kit that you've got um, so are, are you are you actually seeing like a fair bit of interest from clinicians that are that are using muse to, to help their patients yeah we have thousands and thousands of clinicians who use Muse with their patients um, and also who use Muse themselves. Yeah. Uh, we actually, we did a study with the Mayo Clinic a while ago and we had difficulty getting the study started because the doctors and nurses kept taking the Muses home. <laughs> so, <Right. laughs> That's um, a good thing, I guess. It, it was a great thing and it was an amazing study uh, tracking women awaiting breast cancer surgery and seeing if an intervention with Muse would decrease the stress of surgery and possibly improve recovery times. Mm-hmm. So we have quite a number of clinicians who um, in the past would have recommended meditation to their patients. So if you're a doctor and you have a patient who comes in for, you know, a list of things that meditation would be good for, you typically tell your patient to meditate. You as a doctor often don't know how to do it. The patient doesn't really know how to do it. You tell them to meditate, they go home. Maybe they try it for three minutes and get up. Maybe they don't. Mm. And it's typically not very successful. Yeah. And now with news, the clinician can literally hand the patient a device and say, here, go use this. Right. And they unwrap it. They can use it right that day, continuously use it. The doctor can even monitor if that's of interest. Yeah. And you really are able to create significant compliance and adherence um, in the meditation practice. I feel like here in Australia that there's there's interest some from like quite a few early adopter clinicians in in doing that, providing patients with some wearables to to do some stuff at home or, or to, to monitor it Um from you know remotely but um it's it's sometimes rare to see any kind of take up of that kind of device here in australia so are you talking about clinicians using it just in like say on on your side of the world or are there doctors using it in australia as well so there are clinicians that use it literally all over the world um i did a very quick search for um uh, Muse in Australia and actually noticed a couple of clinics that referenced it. Yeah, cool. um, and I know we have a lot of Australian users. Right. Uh, we have a website that allows you to purchase in Australian dollars. And so we've, we've really seen a like, tremendous interest in Australia. It's mm. actually one of our largest markets, surprisingly. Oh, wow. So Australians are really into meditating and happy to have tools to enable it. Yeah, cool. Interesting. Interesting. I didn't know that. Um, so 
the practicality, just back for a moment to the practicality of meditating. So like you're a busy CEO, a professional, a mom, a, you, you do a podcast as well. And I mean, you, you, you do plenty of other stuff. And I mean, I, I've got, I've got kids. I honestly feel like it's sometimes a win if I like have a shower in the morning, <laughs> um, let alone like yes. do a 10 minute meditation. So like, how do you, how do people actually carve out time to do this every day? So first of all, you have to recognize the value of it. And in the same way that you, no matter what happens, you brush your teeth, you strive to eat well, you make your kids lunch and you make sure they eat well. You may not go to the gym, but you lift your kid up and down 15 times and you pretend <laughs> that's good enough. And well, it really is. You know, we figure out ways to build this into our lives. So a lot of people um, will meditate in the morning, like before the kids get up. Some people, a lot of people also meditate at night um, to help them sleep more efficiently. Yeah. Um, that's something we hear a lot from our users. People also do it at work. So you can take a 10 minute break and uh, doing a meditation break during the day can actually make you even more efficient in your work day. One of the things that I noticed using Muse was an increase in my productivity because that same process of being like, oh, my mind is wandering. Let's choose to bring it back to what I'm focusing on applies not only in learning to change the relationship with your thoughts, but also learning to avoid all of the distractions that we have during our workday mm. or all of the distractions that we have that keep us from being fully present with our kids. Right. So you actually find when you make the five or seven or 10 minutes to meditate during the day, you become significantly more efficient across the rest of your day because you're much better able to manage the distractions and be like, nope, don't need that. Back to the thing I care about. Right. Right. That, that makes sense. That, that makes like theoretical sense to me. And, and I, and I, I can see how I would value certain things over other things and you just make time to make those things happen. So um, like, like you say with the, I'll make sure that the the kids have food, but maybe I'll go three days without eating, but that kind of stuff. So then if, if <laughs> in terms of prioritizing, that's that I can yeah, see how that. Choose your battles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When it comes down to the person to do that. So as a company, like just thinking from a putting my technology or my vendor hat on for a second. So for you guys, I would expect then that like, customer engagement or retention of, of, of users within Muse is, is something that, that would be of interest to, to you. And it's, you know, the longer people use it, the, the, the better for everyone, um, the more satisfied hopefully they are and all of that. Um, what are some of the things that you guys do to make sure that it's, um, whether it's a different experience or a, an experience using Muse that people feel like, um, it, you know, they, they're a little bit more motivated to come back to it. So it's not just intrinsic to them to do it, something maybe that you're motivating them to do as well. Is there anything you do? Yeah, so there's a gamification and reward structure. Right. So you get, you know, rewards for your recoveries. You get rewards for the amount of time that you spend in, in calm. Mm. Um, you get little birds, which people love. You get scores. And all of this extrinsic motivation is in some way antithetical to meditation. But yeah, as you begin to do it, we actually have some funny things in there that sort of undermine the gamified nature of it. So you're both, you know, very drawn in by the gamification and you want to come back to do it and see your improvement, see your score. Um, but you also understand the benefit and pretty quickly the benefit that you feel in your life becomes the motivation. You're like, oh, I feel calmer. Oh, I don't feel like I want to yell at my kids right now. <laughs> and there is a real extrinsic, re intrinsic reward that starts to come over you. Mm -hmm. And then we also find when it comes into a household, it starts to go around the household. So when Muse device will come in, you know, mom will bring it home. Dad will start using it. The, you know, teenage kids are like, this is really cool. And they take it up to their bedrooms and it does the round. And then it becomes almost a cultural thing inside the home 
we go and we do corporate programs and it becomes a cultural thing inside the corporation where people are encouraging one another to meditate and it becomes socially acceptable. So we found, you know, lots of ways that this becomes a deeply ingrained part of people's lives and from a thing that you do once to a real habit and a practice. Yeah, interesting. It's funny you say the corporate programs, like something my my eldest son said that, you know, I think they were, they were, they did a meditation or something in, in kindergarten or something like that at, at, at school. So it sounds like there's even school programs that are going on that, that I assume vendors are involved with or something at, at some point. But um, is that something you get involved in too? So we currently don't recommend Muse for anyone under 16 just because we are GDPR compliant. Yeah. Um, and with GDPR compliance, we don't want to be storing data of, of any child. Um, all of our data is incredibly secure. It is perfectly private. We never share your data. You own it. Um, but we want to just be, you know, above the letter of the law in every single way. Mm. Um, so Muse is from 16 and up. Uh, there have been universities that have done studies with Muse uh, with school children. One, uh, Kansas State University did a study with grade eight students, and they demonstrated that after musing, there was a 72% decrease in kids being sent to the principal's office. Ah. That's cool. I yeah, like the totally term musing cool. as well, by the way. I just got distracted by musing. That's a cool term. But yeah, no, no, but just back to the principal office thing. That's that's um that's that's effective. That's like, you know, um tangible evidence. So that's that's good. Um so just on the data, that's interesting too, actually. So um, you know, I whenever I think about uh, clinicians and patients and this kind of engagement of patients in their in their healthcare using wearables. Normally, there's that other side of the coin, which is and which is a, a relevant and important point too, which is about the data security and the you know the more data we share and the more it becomes accessible, the more it's at risk to being um, compromised or going into the wrong hands. So, um, like, do you have any kind of um, like? concerns about 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 that or take a view on that kind of thing other than just making sure you're super compliant i guess but like is is this going to be is it ever going to get to a point where things go really bad with all of these types of wearables not just generally with muse but anywhere wearables generally like you know people are worried about insurance companies getting access to this kind of data so that then you know i don't know if you stop meditating then all of a sudden your premium goes up on your you know insurance because you're more at risk for something or rather maybe that's a bad example but the that's becoming too kind of tin tinfoil hat but um that's that's the kind of um I guess, new risks that, that, that come up. Is this, you know, something that's on your radar? It's definitely something that we think about. We are um, very concerned about data privacy and data security. You know, we, we won't share EEG data with Apple Health Kit, even though we are in early conversations with them around how you guide, you know, what is good EEG data? What would it look like? What's that meaningful? Right. How is it meaningful? We only share minutes of meditation, which is a very benign, you know, piece of data. Mm-hmm. Um, so for us, you know, data privacy and security is key. I actually started an organization called the Center for Responsible Brainwave Technologies to pave the way um, and ensure that everybody in the EEG space is an ethical actor in how they store, deal with, and maintain their data. Wow. Super cool. Super cool. So what's next for you guys then? What's, what's, what's you know, you're innovative tech, so you must always be innovating. What's, what's, what's on the horizon for you? We are always innovating. Um, so one part of the horizon is 
studies and validation. We have over 175 published studies using Muse, um, validating it in various settings with students, corporate, and, uh, and hospitals demonstrating the outcomes. Mm. The other part of the what's next. So we have a device that we launched about a year ago called Muse 2. So whereas the original Muse gives you real-time feedback on your brain, Muse 2 gives you real-time feedback on your heart, your breath, and your body during meditation. Wow, cool. so we have a PPG sensor on the forehead, so we're able to track your heartbeat. Um, and we uh, let you hear the heartbeat like the beating of a drum, which tunes your interoception, your ability to sensitively understand what's going on in the systems in your body. Mm. Um, and the breathing exercise uh, gives you guided breathing to help you learn to uh, shift your physiology through your breathing into a state of rest and digest. Uh, the body sensor helps you find stillness and improve your posture. So after Muse 2, we then moved to bringing in a whole new suite of guided meditation. So um, we were merged with a company meditation studio, and we now offer hundreds and hundreds of guided meditations alongside your um, Muse usage. And so you can do a guided meditation and actually see your brain activity during that meditation. And then we're continuing to build out the guidance and the real-time feedback and combining sensor systems so that you can know what's going on in your head, in your heart, in your breath simultaneously to be able to get richer la la layers of information about yourself, which is incredibly cool. And then um, from there, we're also very interested in, in what happens while you sleep, um, given yeah. that we have an EG technology that's able to track you during the day. We're starting to understand the 24-hour cycle. Yeah. So it's it's fascinating. Yeah, a lot to do, a lot to do. Um, so how do us Aussies find out more about what you guys do? Uh, so if you're curious about Muse or you want to pick one up yourself, you can just go to choosemuse.com. Muse is M-U-S-E, Muse, the brain sensing headband. Awesome. I'll chuck some notes in the, he in, the, um, in the show notes. Ariel, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate the chat. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to Talking Health Tech. My name is Peter Birch. Go do some stuff on our socials and website, share it with some people, and give us a nice review and a five-star rating because it all helps to spread the word and get people talking. Until next time, I'm out of here.